And um, <laughs> I also I do need your prayers, though, because I have been preaching this message to myself. I think I've preached this message to myself 30 times this week. And every time I've gone a different route. And uh, so I don't know if Lewis is here or not, but he's the first one that said this. So I always think of him. There ain't no telling what rabbit I'm going to chase this morning. And, uh, but whatever rabbit I chase, he ain't getting away. And uh, so we'll see which way we go. I did, I do. Yeah, the reason I do notes, just so y'all know, it's not because I lack for things to say. It's because you lack enough attention to stick with me while I say what I got to say. Because when I was in Europe, I would preach for six hours. And uh, so trust me, I got enough to say. And, uh, I, but I, I'm not long-winded. I just got a great deal to say about a great many things, right, Lee? That's just the way it is. And so... Uh, a couple days ago, my wife told me, she said, she said, Love, have you ever read Galatians out of the Message Bible? I said, Love, I'm not really that big of a fan of the Message Bible. And, uh, but at your word, I'll go ahead and read it. <laughs> I couldn't stop reading it. And so today I'm going to unpack to you Galatians chapter 3. Uh, for the, if you've never read it, read it. Read it out of the Message Bible. Well, Pastor, I don't have a Message Bible. Go online. It's free. In fact, if you get the Bible app, it'll even read it to you. It's amazing. And, uh, but I would really encourage you, read the book of Galatians, especially chapter 3 in the Message Bible. And uh, so for sake of time today, we're going to unpack some of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I won't have time. But I'm going to read certain snippets of it. And uh, so the, the, the title of today's message is... Uh, Sister Fowler, if you would go ahead and put that, that slide up. Don't go cray-cray. And since I'm using such hip words as cray-cray, can I ask you, do you admire my drip? You all don't even know what I'm talking I didn't know until yesterday. I, I got, I, I've been, uh, uh, Sister Wanda's son has invited me, and I'm very honored to sit on the board for a new ministry that's taking place called Young Brothers Association. And uh, Justice and Michael and uh, I think two other young men are putting together amazing young men. I, listen, our, ge our next generation ain't lost. Our I, I told these young men, I said, dude, if I had my act together when I was that age, y'all impressed the snot out of me. Yeah. And it's just, just amazing what these young people are doing. And I'm honored to be in their presence. And I love it because what they're doing is setting up a a ministry to father young, mentor young, coach young men whose daddies are absent. And uh, so I, I get to sit there. Yeah, I'm going to have Justice here one day just to share what he's doing. What an impressive young man. Miss Wanda, are you here? Is, is Wanda here? Huh? In the nursery? Wanda, you do amazing. And... Um, but anyhow, one young man, he's a little ninth grader, he was talking about how he bought, he bought his very first shirt. And, and he, said, he said, man, my drip is on. And I was like, I don't know when this happened. This ain't part of the message, y'all. But I had an epiphany, a thought. I don't know when it happened, and I don't know how it happened, but at some point I became the old man in the room. <laughs> I don't know how. But I said, listen, y'all are going to have to explain this terminology because I hear English, but I don't understand. What is drip? And they went on to explain that style. And I thought, dude, I have style. Y'all can't see it, but I got new Converse on. I got drip all over the place. 
And so I, I tell you, every time I get with him, I'm going to learn a new word and y'all are going to hear it. And you're going to know our pastor is hip because he knows drip. And if you don't know drip, you ain't hip. So get to know some drip. You ready? Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, reading it to you out of the Message Bible, says, You crazy Galatians, did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For it's obvious you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this cray-cray? For only cray-cray people would think they could complete, listen to this, would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Answer this question. Does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your lives you could never do for yourselves, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving or because you trust him to do them in you? Don't these things happen among you just as they happened with Abraham? He believed God, and that act of belief was turned into a life that was right with God. So those now who live by faith are blessed along with Abraham who lived by faith. This is no new doctrine. And that means that anyone who tries to live by his own effort, independent of God, is doomed to failure because Scripture backs this up. Utterly cursed is every person who fails to carry out every detail written in the book of the law. Yes. I want a few more things. Yes. The obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. The person who lives in right relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Listen to this. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Habakkuk had it right. The person who believes God is set right by God, and that's the real life. Rule-keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule-keeping. A fact observed in Scripture the one who does these things, rule-keeping, continues to live by them. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree? That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. And now because of that, the air is cleared and we can see that Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews too. We are all able to receive God's life, his spirit in and with us by believing just the way Abraham received it. That's powerful. That's powerful. 
Today I want to, I want to unpack as much as the Holy Spirit will allow. And I want to show you that, you know, the Bible says in the book of Romans, everything that was written before time was written for our instruction. So we are never to read something like Galatians or Corinthians and think that only applied to an ancient people in a faraway land. It's principles and it repeats itself. And when Paul began the book of Galatians, first I got to say this and we'll go back and read the first part. When Paul said that Christ was set clearly before you, Paul knew that because Paul is the one that preached Christ to them. He knew what they had heard and he knew the message he preached. And Paul preached a message. I want Paul preached a message that painted, you know, every message paints a portrait. Every message. Every time you go to church and you hear a preacher or a teacher, they, they are painting a portrait. And you and I need to understand a principle of life, okay? Hear this. What you behold, you become. That's true for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Parents know it. We call it peer pressure. Right? I mean, you hear parents, you know, they're raising little Johnny. Little Johnny's a saint. Little Johnny's the perfect child. And then one day, little Johnny comes home and he's dropping F-bombs like a sailor. And you're thinking, oh my, my goodness gracious, what happened to little Johnny? Well, you let little Johnny hang out with Jack. Right? And you know Jack is corrupting Johnny, so you tell Johnny you ain't hanging out with Jack no more. Why? Because little Jack drops F-bombs like a seasoned sailor, and your precious little Jack learned from him. Because what you behold, you become. That doesn't stop at age 13. That doesn't stop at age 20. Hello? It doesn't stop at age 40. You choose to hang with the wrong people, you will become the wrong person. What you behold, you become. This is the reason why, and I want to say this not, not so much to those of you who have chosen to make RLC your home church, but those of you watching on online. You need to be careful where you worship. Because what you hear consistently and constantly, what you behold, you'll become. And there's a whole bunch of people, they love God, but they are convinced God's angry with them. And if they don't dress right and walk right and talk right, if they make one misstep, there's going to be a lightning bolt from heaven. Strike them dead. Because they, that's what they're hearing all the time. I'm going to show you in just a minute the, the portrait that Paul painted when he preached was Jesus and Jesus alone. Paul didn't do group shots. What do you mean by that? Paul didn't preach a mixed message. He preached Jesus. When you heard Paul preach, you knew Jesus was the answer. Jesus paid the price. Jesus was born. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father. You knew Jesus 24-7 if you heard Paul preach. Because he painted a portrait of Jesus. That's not true of everybody. Some preachers preach a mixed message. They do group shots. They might preach Judaism one Sunday, Catholicism the next Sunday, some other religion the next Sunday. There are preachers today preaching what they whatever, mixing it up, Christian Elam or whatever, a mix a hybrid message of Islam and Christianity. I'm going to tell y'all straight up, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. It ain't Jesus and rules, it ain't Jesus and this, it ain't Jesus and you and Jesus and them. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And when Paul preached, 
He set people free. Free people are a dangerous people to tyrants. The most dangerous thing in the world to the devil is an anointed man or woman of God who's well-resourced and free. The de listen, the devil don't care if you go to church. He doesn't care if you go to Bible study. He just don't want you free. Because as long as, listen, if you love the Lord and you're confined, you'll go to heaven one day, but you ain't going to do nothing on the earth. And he's okay with that. In fact, he wishes you would hurry it up. Y'all here this morning. But what he doesn't want is you to hear grace. Grace. Grace and truth, the Bible says, came by Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to hear the grace that sets you free so that you know no matter where you come from, no matter what you've been through, no matter who raised you, how they raised you, in Christ all men are equal and you have as much opportunity as any other man or woman on the planet and there are no boundaries, there are no limits. You can do and be whatever you want to be in Him for He has removed every curse. Yes. The devil don't want you free. Man, he certainly don't want you free and well-resourced. He doesn't want you free, well-resourced, and healthy. Because then you're going to live a long time and get to do a great many things because you got enough money to do it. No, he don't want you. This is the reason why Paul said in the very, I think it's in the first chapter of Galatians, when he preached the message to the Galatians that set them free, in the very first chapter he said, they came to spy out our liberty. They came to spy. Why? Because free people are a dangerous people. And, and the spirit of religion wants to get you trapped again because the devil don't want you free long enough that you say, I like this freedom thing. Hmm? I like freedom. I'm going to stay free. No, no, no. He wants to. This is, is this, I got I to gotta quit rambling. Otherwise, I told you I'm chasing all kinds of rabbits today. This is the reason why. Listen, some of us, in fact, I should say all of us, we get saved and almost immediately, somebody comes to us with a list of rules. Yes, right? And they'll say, Yo, you got saved by grace? Oh, isn't that amazing? I'm astonished that God saved someone like you. But thank God for his grace. But now if you want to be a super Christian, if you really want to please the Lord, you got to take all that make off off, baby. Oh, and if you really want to please the Lord, don't you know it's a shame for a woman to have short hair? And if you really want to love the Lord, sir, you can't wear that red tie because the red tie is the color of the devil and it points down to hell anyhow. You got to get rid of that red tie. We do gray in our church. Y'all think I'm making this up. This is what takes place. And, you know, and listen, you got to make sure that you tithe because if you don't tithe, you're going to get cursed. And you're really, the, 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 the true blessing ain't on the tithe. It's the tithe and the offering and the first fruit and the second fruit and the third fruit. And then you got the make, make it up fruit. And then you got the down and out fruit, and then you got the bad fruit, and then you got the really good fruit offering. Pretty soon you got so many offerings, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, is this making sense? Yes, and so the simplicity of the gospel becomes complex because you don't know, is God going to ple be pleased with me today? Yeah. Can I tell you this? God is pleased with you. He's so completely pleased with you, he doesn't have an ounce of anger anymore because all of his anger was poured out upon the cross of Jesus Christ. The total cup of his wrath was poured out upon him 
And so now you and I have got to embrace this thing called freedom because the Bible says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Now, I'm not going to be able to get into it next week because next week is Superhero Day. But the week after, I'm going to explain to you how we don't use our freedom as an excuse to feed the flesh. Freedom is, an, is, freedom is the ability to produce the spirit-led life. Really, now we are free by grace to be Christ-like. Because the law never could make us good. Never could. It wasn't intended to. The law was intended to show you how, un, how corrupt you were. That you never could become good. So the purpose of the law was to make people run to the Messiah when he came. Because they were supposed to run to him saying, look, we have tried to keep it all, but we inevitably fell in one little thing. So we want to receive your grace. Amen? Amen? So you and I have been set free. But just like there were those who came to the Galatians, there will be those who come to spy out your freedom. And they'll, 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 be the, they'll be there to remind you, no, baby, you can't be that free. You know, because after all, there are some rules. There are some things you've got. And, and, and listen, I'm going to get, there is a rule, right? Grace doesn't free us to be lawless. It frees us to live to a higher law. It's called the law of love. You understand what I'm saying? Grace doesn't make me lawless. Grace finally, it, it liberates me to where I can finally live according to the law of God, a.k.a. the law of life, a.k.a. the law of love, meaning that if I love God, I'll never sin. I don't ever sin against someone I love. If I love you, I'll never violate you. I'll never steal from you. I'll never raise my hand to you. I'll never hurt you. I'll never take what is yours. You don't have to be afraid of me if I love you. You understand what I'm saying? So this is the reason why the Bible says that love fulfills all the commandments. Why? Because I ain't going to violate one of them if I love. So grace frees me to finally walk. I don't have to have a police officer telling me don't steal. Because I don't want to steal. There's nothing in me that wants to steal anymore because I love you too much to take what is yours. I don't have to have a commandment telling me don't lust after her. Why? Because I love her like my wife and I love you like my sister. So I don't need any law. To, I don't need a law telling me to give. Because love gives. Love can't help itself but give. So I don't need someone telling me you got to give this percentage. Because if I love, percentages don't matter. Because the deeper my pocket, the bigger the gift, baby. That's the way. Listen, when I go to buy her, I'm going to be buying her roses next week. Do you think I'm going to go in and look at the price tag and buy the cheapest ones? No, I used to. Just like I used to pull out the calculator to do the tithe. You understand? But there came a day when I woke up and realized love expresses itself. That the level of my giving is a measure of the level of my loving. And so my love determines the measure of my giving. Not a percentage. So now I look at the flowers themselves, not at the price tag. Now, I ain't going to lie. Sometimes when I bring them up, I'm thinking, dude, you want that for flowers? They dead. But the logic of it don't matter because it's all about the romance, baby. 
You, you follow me? So it's the same thing with God. It's not the logic of it. Oh, Father. I've had people ask me, well, Pastor, if I'm not supposed to give this percentage, what percentage am I supposed to give? Let me ask you this, baby. What percentage of your heart does he have? What percentage does he only have 10% of your heart? No, Pastor, he's got all of it. Then let that guide your giving. You and I have got to realize that these rules that we allow people to impose on us, they do not liberate us, they confine us. Because rule keeping does not generate a faith life. All it does, and this is what Paul said, it generates more and more rules. This is the reason why in some churches they take up three and four offerings. Because they're trying to figure out which one contains the blessing. If you ain't doing them in faith, can I answer your question? None of them. Because the only thing God responds to is faith. So if you're giving and giving and giving out of fear, someone's getting rich, baby, but it ain't you. But when you give in faith, it could be a widow's mite. It could be a single penny. It could be a wildflower you picked on the way to church because you ain't got nothing to give, but you love him so much you ain't going to come to church and not give an offering. So you pick a flower on the way to church. And when you come in, you wave the daisy. What kind of offering is this, Pastor? It's a daisy offering. Is your heart in it? Yes, then the Lord's going to bless you for that daisy. Hmm. Paul said to these Galatians, because they, they had started out. Can I get into my sermon? Is this okay this morning? I don't know how long I'm going to stay on this, but saints, I, I, I just got to tell you, I want to be free. I want to be freer than I ever thought possible. I want to be so free it blows my mind. I want to experience so much of the goodness of God and so much liberty and so much love and so much grace. When I look in the mirror, I faint. Amen. Can't be that good. Yeah. Amen. My days of worry and anxiety and being afraid. Am I pleasing God? Am I pleasing you? Are you going to like what I wear? Do you care if I wear Converse? I don't care what you care about. You see what I'm saying? Because I'm free. I'm free in him. I'm not going to ever use my liberty as a way to feed the flesh. But I, listen, the more I get to know grace, I'm praying more than I ever prayed. Because now I'm not, pray, I'm not praying to appease an angry God. I'm praying with somebody I can't stand to be apart from. So I just want to be... Listen, sometimes life can be boring. Sometimes church can be boring. But he ain't never boring. So I pray not because I have to. I pray because I want to talk to someone who loves me at the level he loves me and who wants to show me how to get out of situations and, and, and just be together in fellowship. And, and, and I've had the wonderful experience at times, and some of you can relate to this, but I, in times of my private worship, I know the fathers hugged me. I felt, I couldn't see him, but I have felt arms encircle me. And you break down and you cry like a baby and you say, God, is it really so necessary to make me cry? Do I got to act like this? Ah! He's so good. This is grace. Rules never got me there. Wearing a certain dress code, a behavior code, do this, don't do that, be this. Ah! 
Just being free to come. I remember before we, oh, Lord, these too many rabbits. My wife is the most praying woman I ever met. When, she, when we first got together, her, her spiritual life intimidated me. Because she connected with God. See, I knew about God. She knew God. That was intimidating. I couldn't even hang with her in prayer. Because at like 20 minutes into it, she's just getting warmed up. And I'm like... We done prayed for the Africans, the Chinese, the Russians. I prayed for people I don't even know. I'm hungry. And she's like a train. So I walk out and I go watch a show and I come back an hour later. I'm like, good night, man. I didn't know you could pray that way. And she prayed that way, get, listen to me, until we went to Bible school. And then in Bible school, they began to give her all these rules that governed prayer. And under this situation, you pray this kind of prayer. And under this situation, you pray this kind of prayer. I'm telling you, religion comes in all shapes and sizes and from different places. And they apply all the rules. If you want to please God, you got to pray this way. And if you want to please God, you got to pray. How about just talking to your daddy? How about just crawling up in his lap and saying, Daddy, I love you. I don't even know what to say, but I just want to be with you today. Can I just spend some time being with you? All of these rules, when we graduated from Bible school, her prayer life had shut down. It took her years to recover because she wanted to please God and someone that we, we, we considered to be somebody, and they were. But they gave rules. And listen, when you, when you live according to the rules, care is generated. You understand? If there's rules, there's fear. Yes. Because if you break the rules, you've got something to be afraid of. Yes. And the more complex the rules, the more you're afraid of. Yes. I mean, there's people in this church and they said, Pastor, I really wanted to run today. But I didn't know if we could. Can I clear that up for you, loved one? If you want to run, run! If you want to dance, dance! You want to lay on the floor, lay on the floor! Right? If you can reach him, swing. It's about being free in him. The rules shut us down. The rules confine us because I don't want to overstep the bounds. There are bounds. They're called the bounds of love. But they're not the bounds of the law. And thank God for the Apostle Paul. Paul knew what is, I got to need to get back to this. So let's, Paul defended his message because he knew, listen, Paul said this, Galatians chapter 1, verse 12. If you can, put that up on the screen. I should have started my clock. When I run out of time, y'all just start leaving. I'll chase you out into the parking lot to finish. <laughs> wait, wait, one more point. Paul Listen, his message was so personal, he actually called it his gospel. He said, this is my gospel. Why? Because, listen to this, what he wrote in Galatians chapter 1. He said, I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the reason why Paul was so adamant. This is the gospel. He went, he went so far to say, if you're listening to another gospel, it ain't even a gospel. 
Because the gospel is not just a regurgitation of laws and rules and regulations and ceremonies and holy days. He's saying, listen, all of that was wrapped up in Jesus. Don't tell me about the Sabbath. He is the Sabbath. Don't tell me about this celebration and that celebration. He is the celebrations. Every day in him is a day of rest. Every day in him is a holy day. Every day in him is a Sabbath day. I can worship God on Tuesday. I can worship God on Wednesday. I can worship God on Thursday because every day is a holy day and every Every day is a good day to be healed, and every day is a good day to be blessed, and every day is a good day to be prospered in Him. Every promise is yes and amen. Not a maybe attached to not even a one of them. So he said this, listen, I'm going to defend this gospel, and this is the reason why he told the Galatians, have y'all gone cray-cray? Because I know what was preached to you. I preached it. I preach to you, Jesus Christ, that he has redeemed you from every curse of the law, that he is your blessing, that all of the blessings of Abraham are in the descendant of Abraham, that being Jesus Christ. And if you're in Christ, all the blessings of Abraham are yours. I taught you this. Now you're behaving as if you got to have a mixed message. And instead of a portrait, you got a group shot. A little bit of Jesus, a little bit of this, a little... And have you, ever, have you ever noticed group shots can be confusing? Because sometimes you don't even know who that is. You're looking at the group shot and you're like, who's that dude? Is that an aunt, an uncle, or did we just get photobombed at the park? That's the way some people's Christianity is. They don't even know why they do what they do. But they were watching TV one day and somebody told them they ought to do this. So they said, well, I'll start doing that. And then they were watching on net, uh, some other social network. And another preacher said, you ought to do this. If you want to be free, you got to do this. So they started doing that. And then somebody else said, if you want to be a good Christian, you got to wear these type of clothes. So he started wearing those type of clothes. Yep. Yep. And now instead of being free and happy, on, you're confused and bewildered. And you want to bless God and please God, but now you just don't know how. Somebody bewitched you. Somebody put a hex on you. And Paul said, that's all cray-cray. If somebody, listen, if somebody tells you that there's anything you've got to do other than believe in Jesus Christ for the good life, you look at them and say, we don't do cray-cray here. That's cray-cray talk. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. You're telling me I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do the other thing. I don't do cray-cray. Y'all hear? I do Jesus. He is the blessing. He is the redeemer from the curse. He is my healer. He is my savior. He is the, the, the salvation that I seek. He's my provider. He's everything. There is no other thing. I put faith in his grace. Paul, I, 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 you know, Paul, go, go to the book of, uh, yeah, go to Galatians chapter 2. Wave me down, y'all. I got 11 pages of notes and I'm on page 2. I, I love, Paul was so adamant about the grace message, the faith message. That he would, he would get in, you messed with his message, he would mess with you. And if you go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, it says this. But when Cephas came to Antioch, that's Peter, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men, 
and they came from Jerusalem, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. Hmm. My pages are messed up here. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, hear that? They were preaching a mixed message. This was Peter, y'all. Peter who walked with Jesus, saw his miracles, heard his love, the tenderness, saw how Jesus accepted everyone. If it can happen to Peter, it can happen to you and I. If we're not careful, if we don't guard the grace, then somebody will whisper in our ear and we will surrender our liberty for the security of rules. When I saw that they were not straightforward about the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of them all, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of scholars that say that Paul actually got into a fist fight with Peter. Now personally, I'd like to be, I, I like to be accurate. I don't ever want to misrepresent the gospel. So I go searching for things to, you know, I, I want to know if it's true. And digging deep into the archives, I found a picture. A picture that proves beyond all doubt that Peter and Paul went at it. So if you would, Sister Fowler, put that up. That's, that's, that's proof right there. Peter, Listen, Paul was so adamant about the grace message that when Peter started mixing it, Paul got in his face. And, and, and it is, it is just, you know, Peter, Peter was a man of the street, right? I mean, Peter, probably since his early teenage years, maybe even preteen, every day he was pulling heavy fishnets. I mean, this dude was muscle bound. Paul was a geek. The Bible says of Paul that he was a man of small stature. The heaviest thing he lifted was scrolls, right? But Paul didn't care because, listen, he knew that this grace message was so important. It had such eternal consequences. Because you need to understand, is this okay? Grace is the only thing that's going to deliver you from the three things you need to be set free from in order to become who God ordained you to be. Grace will set you free from sin. The law never could. Grace is the only thing. Grace will set you free from the law. Rule keeping. Grace sets you free. But grace will also set you free from self. This is why Paul said, he said, I no longer live. I'm dead. I, I, I've died in Christ. The life that I live is no longer my own. I live a life now by his faith. Paul was freed from himself. So Paul knew the only way you and I are ever going to be Christ-like is through the message of grace. And if it gets polluted and diluted, you got to fight for it. Amen. So when Paul, little old tiny Paul, told Peter, he said, listen, dude, you're messing with my message. I'm going to mess you up. <laughs> and he didn't care. Listen, he might have only got one punch, but it landed. And if it, listen, this is, I'm saying, for you and I need to... We need to battle within ourselves and we need to make sure we don't listen to every voice that tries to confine us. We need, maybe, I'm not telling you you need to get Deacon John out in the parking lot and knock him out, 
But you ought to at least, you ought to do a verbal battle. You ought to do a spiritual battle. You ought to say, I am not going under bondage no more. I ain't going back there. I used to be bound. I used to be wrapped up and tied up in all of your rules. And I ain't going back there no more. I have been set free by Jesus Christ. And free I shall remain. I shall be a free man until I die. You are not putting me under that bondage anymore. Oh, but brother, there's rules. Yeah, baby, there's rules, the rules of love. Any other rules I reject, don't tell me about my hair. Don't tell me about my clothes. Don't tell me about the externals. Because the law of love is an internal. Y'all here? So this is, this, is, this is how Paul was. Paul said, you're not doing this. You're not doing it to them. You're not doing it to me. You're not doing it to anyone. Hallelujah, Father. Glory to God. Let's keep going. We all got more time? Yeah. Good. Hallelujah, Father. Boy, I got my pages all messed up. I don't know where I am. But I'll find that spot right there is good. Let's go back and keep reading out of Galatians chapter 3. Listen to this. Paul said, let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? Only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. You remember we started off this year preaching a message, God works best when you're at rest. Everything God ever begins, he begins from a place where his people are at rest. You understand that? When God created Adam and Eve, he created them on the sixth day. What was the seventh? The day of rest. The very first day of their life was a day of rest. Everything God begins, he begins. Now, rest does not mean passivity. It doesn't mean you sit back and sing kumbaya, my Lord, whatever will be, will be. The devil can torment me. That ain't rest. That's cray cray. You understand? But it means you, you, you begin everything from a place of absolute confidence that he's already done everything. I'm not the initiator. I'm the responder. I love him because he first loved me. I give because he has already blessed me. I act healed because by his stripes, I'm already the healed of the Lord. I refuse to have a down day. I refuse to be depressed. I refuse to be anxious because he he so loves me. I cast all of my anxiety over on him. It begins with him and my true action is a response. I respond to what he's already initiated And that's faith. Faith responds. Faith moves me toward him. I'm not doing it. I'm never going to finish. I'm not doing what I do to cause. I'm doing what I do because. I want to say that again. If you see, listen, if you've been bewitched, you're doing what you do to cause. Because you think that God's going to respond to your efforts. Right. So you got to do this great thing in order to get God to respond to you. That that baby that proves you're you're cray cray. You've been bewitched and I'm not blaming you, but you've been listening to the wrong voices. You don't realize that God has already done everything that needs to be done. You don't realize that he's for you, not against you. And you don't have to somehow convince him to be nice to you because his natural way of doing things is to kind of be indifferent to you or outright mean to you. You don't have to appease an angry God. God ain't angry. No, sir. 
So we respond to his love, and now his love moves me, so I do things, but I don't do things to cause, I do things because. And sometimes the actions can be, I'm going to end with this. This ain't part of my notes. I'm chasing another rabbit, and then we'll bring it to a close, and we'll pick it up someday in the future. You can always tell what somebody's trusting in by what they brag about or what they appeal to. You can't tell by their actions. Because, see, a person of the law and a person of grace will do the same thing, right? Because grace doesn't free you from, it empowers you to. So when I hear the message of grace, that doesn't mean I'm free from living holy, right? Grace doesn't give me a license to go clubbing. See, you, I told you, 30 times, 30 different ways, and you're getting all 30 of them. You'll never understand grace if you think carnally. Because if you hear the message of grace and you're thinking like a natural man, you're going to see it as an excuse to be able to do what you want to do. Right? There are, listen, I, I don't want to get too far down, but there are churches that preach grace and have open bars in the pastor's office. That ain't grace. That doesn't even reflect on grace. There are some people that won't preach grace because of somebody's stupidity. Well, then let's throw out faith, too. Let's throw out healing. Why don't, while we're at it, why don't we throw out salvation? Because some people have abused that as well. Right? No, no. I'm not going to get rid of a biblical truth just because some idiot abuses it. Grace does not give me an excuse to live according to the flesh. Grace empowers me to be what God always wanted me to be. I never could be holy under the rules. But when I get into grace, I'm holy. Why? Because I've been made the very righteousness of God in Christ. I, listen, y'all, y'all take a good look. You can't get any more righteous than me. You can get better looking. It'll be difficult, but you can do it. You can't get any more righteous. Why? Because I'm as righteous as he is. Did I get that by working my head off? Did I get that by great sacrifices and long hours in prayer? No, no, no. I got that by hearing the gospel and responding to it, receiving him as my savior. And I went from sinner to Satan, a heartbeat, right? I stepped out of the old life into the new life and now I'm created in the newness of life. I look like him, I walk like him, I talk like him. I'm growing in the knowledge of it, but in the spirit, I'm just like him. But you can, you can, so you can always tell what people brag about and what they appeal to, whether they're of this camp or that camp, because they'll do the same things. They both give, they both pray, they both serve, they both sacrifice, they both preach. But this one over here is doing it to cause. Because if he doesn't cross every T and dot every I, he's afraid his dog's going to die, his cat's going to get the mange, somebody's going to eat his hamster. The curse is going to come. This one over here realizes there ain't no curse coming to my house because I'm blessed. And you can't bless, you, you can't curse what the Lord has blessed. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. I'm blessed. You can't curse me. I Listen, I don't care if I'm surrounded by a team of witch doctors. Y'all understand? Don't be afraid of nothing. You could walk right into the middle of a satanic coven and say, y'all can't do nothing because Wyatt Earp is in the house. Greater is he. Greater is he. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Saints, don't ever be afraid of nothing. 
Oh, but pastor, you don't know they're shutting down my factory. Then God will give you, if he's got to send ravens to your house with Big Macs and Happy Meals. We ain't got nothing to be afraid of because there ain't no God like our God. Ain't never been one before. Ain't never going to be another one again. So I need to close with this. this. You got this guy over here and he's working. Oh, and he's just trying. And God, I wish you'd be, Lord, God, if I could just do something to make you happy and you'd bless me. And he's a working and he's a working. And, and it ain't no fault of his. He just got some bad counsel. But you can tell if you're over in this camp because what they brag about is this. And I'm going to share two examples, both of them real, not made up. One from a man I know very well and the other one I know of. One man says, I broke the back of poverty with a $1,000 seed. What did you hear in that? I. I did it. How did I do it? With an amazing sacrifice. I received this great revelation because I prayed a thousand hours in tongues. Is praying in tongues bad? Is a thousand dollar seed bad? No, both are good, but you're over, you've been hexed if you believe that it's because of what you do that God's going to do something good for you. So I believe because I prayed. I did it, I did it, and God responded to me. Now, if you would only be as holy and as dedicated and committed as me, maybe God would bless you too. But you got to give a $1,000 offering, preferably to me. This guy over here says the back of poverty was broken when he hung on a tree. Father, I'm so grateful the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that although he was rich, yet for my sake he became poor so that I through his poverty might be made rich. I thank you, Father, that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone broke the back of poverty. I don't ever need to be poor another day in my life because I've been redeemed from poverty. What would you hear in that one? Let those who boast, boast in the Lord. You can tell you're over in the works camp. You're like the Galatians if you're bragging about your works. You can tell you're over in the grace camp if you say, you know why I got this great revelation? Because Jesus sent this amazing teacher called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit revealed to me that which had been revealed to him. And I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit has taught me. You're bragging in the Lord. Then another thing is in, 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 in your appeal. And we hear this all the time. Well, Lord, you ought, to hear my, you ought to heal my grandma because she served in church for 40 years and never missed a Sunday. What are you appealing to? Your works. Well, Lord, you know, I'm a tither, Lord. Lord, I've never missed a tithe. Lord, you ought to bless me. I ought to be blessed because I... The brag and the appeal is focused on self. But over here, Lord, I thank you that you healed my grandma. She's a daughter of God, and it's only right she ought to be healed. So I lift my hands to you and I thank you, Father, that by your stripes she is the healed of the Lord. And I call Grandma healed. Right now, Grandma, I speak to you wherever you are and I declare you're the healed of the Lord because the stripes were laid upon the back of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by his stripes, Grandma, I'm going to say it a thousand times over and over and over again. He healed you. He healed you. He healed you. He's the healer. You're bragging on him and you're appealing to him. Right? And then you don't, when you, when in, a, in, a, in a time of financial need, you lift your hands and you say, Father, I thank you that you're the need meter. 
You're my provider. You're the one who meets every need that I'll ever have. And by faith, I receive my need met right now in Jesus' name. And you are appealing to his grace and his goodness and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything other than the simplicity of grace is cray-cray. And here's the sad thing. It won't, it won't stop us from going to heaven, and that's because of His grace. But it will... It'll make life harder. If not, it'll make it impossible for you to become the person God ordained for you to be. Because, see, if we think we're going to perfect that which He began by works, then God Himself must oppose us. You know why? Because he said it's not of works, lest any man can boast. If you can boast about what you've done, then God himself is opposing you. He has to. And he'll do it until that point when you come to the realization, Father, I can't make this work. So instead of trying, I'm giving up. You understand? And I, Father, I'm saying thank you. I've tried for 20 years to be debt free. You, you said, oh, no man anything. So, Father, I thank you Come on, man. that you make me free from Come debt. On, Come on, and you know what he'll do when you're trusting in him? Yeah. It'll happen so fast. Yeah. Things will happen. You'll yeah. get promotions. A, a relative you don't even know will leave you money. Because the way God does it, he's going to do it in such a way yes. that you've got to tell everybody. Yeah. Look what the Lord has done. Look at what God did for me. I didn't do it. I'm not smart enough. I am not anointed enough. I'm not anything enough. He did it. Amen. I don't know how to end this. Other than to say, would you close your eyes and lift your hands? At this time, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. And you're wondering, am I on the prayer team? If I've ever asked you, don't make me ask you every week. Come up here. If you need prayer to, this morning, doesn't matter what for. If you not never received Jesus as the Lord of your life, today's the greatest day in your life to do it. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit and had that wonderful experience of speaking in tongues, today's a wonderful opportunity to do it. If you need healing... If you need prayer over any area of your life, we want to stand in agreement with you. And there's enough anointing up here right now. Raise the dead. Can certainly raise your expectations. So I'm going to pray, then Pastor Cleve's going to come to close us out. And then you can come forward at any time as I'm praying. Father, I thank you for the word today. I thank you, Father, for ears that didn't shut down on me. I thank you for hearts that were receptive. And Father, I want you to know we are hungry. We're so desperate for freedom. Father, we want to know the fullness of this thing called Christianity. Lord, we're just through doing church as regular. We don't want to do church anymore. We want to do kingdom, Father. We want to, be, we want to know what it means to walk in the kingdom, be provided for by the kingdom, to be children of the king in the fullest manifestation of what that means. Lord, we want to be free. We want to be free physically. We want to be free spiritually. We want to be free emotionally. We want to be free financially. We want to be free in every conceivable way. Yes. 
So, Father, we thank you for freedom, that it is ours through Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. At this time, if you would, please come forward. If you need prayer for anything this morning, these folks will pray with you, lay hands on you. You'll get so much anointing imparted into you, you'll glow tonight.